It was a few minutes before 8 a.m. on Friday, January 12, 2007. Joshua Bell stopped in a metro station in the heart of Washington, D.C., and took out his 1713 Stradivarius violin that is worth an estimated $3.5 million, and he began to play. He played Bach, he played Massenet, he played Schubert, he played Pons. Two nights prior, he played before a sold-out crowd in Boston where people had paid hundreds of dollars per ticket. And now he was in this D.C. metro station playing to see if anyone would listen. All told, he played for 43 minutes right in the middle of rush hour. People discreetly counted, and during those 43 minutes, 1,097 people walked by. And do you know how many of them stopped to even listen? Seven. Seven out of 1,097. The other 1,090 were in a hurry, distracted, or maybe could not comprehend what was happening right before them. How do we make sure that we don't miss the wonder of the birth of Jesus? How do we make sure we don't walk right by and disregard the miracle that stands before us? Little regard for the significance of it amidst the busyness of the joys of Christmas, of parties, of getting together with family, of of, of exchanging gifts, of traveling, all of these great joys. How do we make sure we don't miss Jesus who has come? Well, we know the story, but may I encourage you that Jesus' birth is not just something we look back upon, but it actually informs and is the anchor of our future hope. Let me say that again. Jesus' birth is our future hope. I invite you to follow along as I read this passage from Isaiah 25, just verses 6 through 9. On this mountain... The Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined, and He will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever." And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of His people He will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation. Three things that looking back at the birth of Jesus will help us look forward to the future hope that, it, that we have that is available in Jesus. Three things, I'll be brief. First, because Jesus was first born, He will vanquish death. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah wrote this centuries and centuries before the birth of Jesus. But in God's kindness and revealing these things to his prophet Isaiah, Isaiah wrote with a full understanding of all that was to come, both the birth of Jesus as well as the, a second coming of Jesus that we still await this day. 
And Isaiah shows us that we cannot take these two different events and separate them. Rather, they are both part of a greater, more gloriously beautiful story that encapsulates, in fact, all of history as it marches towards the people of God delighting in and seeing the face of Jesus. So because Jesus was born, he will one day vanquish death. Listen to verse 7 in the first part of verse 8. He will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. A few years ago, I was speaking with a woman who was not a Christian. In fact, she had rejected the Christian faith. And yet she was battling some fairly serious health issues that could even, if they turned a certain direction, be life-threatening. And as she and I were talking, she was considering her own mortality, and she said something like this, totally unprovoked. She said, you know what is most unsettling to me about all of this? Death just seems so unnatural. It just doesn't seem like this is how things should be. And I don't know that she realized how right she was. In a world that is ravaged by death, Isaiah writes, it is like a covering cast over all peoples, a veil that is spread over all nations. The birth of Jesus is the avenue by which we look at death and say, you will not have the final word. Death is a symptom of a greater curse that rests on mankind. It's the curse of our own sin, our own treason against our Creator. Now, undoubtedly, you hear the word sin, or you hear the fact that the Bible says we have committed treason or cosmic rebellion against God as human beings, and you think, hold on a second, Stephen, I I don't think I'm that much of a sinner. I, I mean, I'm a pretty good person, all things considered. I'm morally upright. I give generously to others in need. I volunteer. I try to care for people when I see a, a need I can meet. You might be, and praise God for that. But what, one thing the Bible strangely reveals that shocks our consciences, and these are words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, is that He does not care about just our outward morality, but He cares about the inward condition of our hearts. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says things like, if you harbor anger in your heart towards another, it is as corrupted as if you were murdering them. Or if you lust in your heart, it is as corrupted as if you committed adultery that your mind is thinking of in that lust. Let me ask you honestly, rhetorical question, how comfortable would would you be if your thoughts for one day, just one day, 24 hours, were broadcast somehow right above your head, every single thought for every person that you are interacting with to see? I don't know about you, I would be horrified. Because you know that deep down in the well of your heart, it is poisoned by sin. Remember the lady who said to me that death seems so unnatural? It is unnatural because we were not created to die, but in our sin against God, we've invited this curse upon us that, 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 that is poured out upon creation. And yet the wonder of Christmas is the coming of Jesus, and in His death, He atoned for our sins and purchased eternal life for all who will come to Him by faith. Remember we sang joy to the world right at the outset of our service? This is a hope that we as Christians cling to. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. 
He comes to make His blessings flow far as the curse is found. But we need a lot more than just the end of death. We need healing for our broken hearts. And this takes us to the second point. In the second part of verse 8, listen to the rest of verse 8. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Think about that. Let me read that again. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. When it comes to Christmas, I'm a, I'm a pretty big sap. I like watching the same movies every Christmas season. We put up our tree in like the first or second week in November. Start listening to Christ, uh, Christmas music early. I, I, I am ready. And yet, there's a couple lines and a couple songs, one of which we're going to sing in a few moments, that just don't sit right with me. For example, in A Way in a Manger, it has the line, The cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Silent night has this line, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild. I love these songs, they are fine. But why are they saying the baby Jesus did not cry? The baby Jesus entered into a world of horrific evil. He took on human flesh in its entirety. He cried when he was hungry. He cried for his mother. He cried when he hurt himself. As he grew up, he knew the pain of broken friendships, the grief of the loss of loved ones. He felt the weight of the horrors of this life all the way to what? His unjust death. And you know what we have come to realize your tears are the cries by which you say, this is not how it is supposed to be. And because he took on human flesh and he had a heart that endured hurt, he is able to make your hurting heart whole. You might feel as if no one in this world understands you. Even the people that share a home with you. Worse than your body turning on you with sickness or disability is your heart that has betrayed you with its mysteries that you cannot understand. And they are tied perhaps to a horrible past, to unspeakable hurt, a sense that, that, that wells up within you saying, what is wrong with me? And the Lord Jesus stands before you and says, he knows tears, he shed tears, and he will wipe away your tears. You might think, you know, this Christianity thing, I could never fit in in, in, in Christianity or at, at church. I'm like the odd person sticking out like a sore thumb. But may I encourage you that, that actually what this reveals to us is you won't fit in anywhere better than amongst the people of God. Because Jesus knows us better than we know anyone else or anyone knows us. And he promises to meet us with exactly what we need by his grace that he has poured out upon us. So, Jesus shed tears. He will wipe away tears because he was born. He will defeat death. And third and lastly, Jesus has come once. We can hope that he will come again. So you say, how do I take hold of these promises of Jesus? 
Him who came once, how do I take hold of them today? Tonight, what do I do in response to this? You return to the wonder of the birth of Jesus. Listen to verse 9. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation. So we live here in 2023, almost 2024, 2,000 years after the birth of Jesus. It's a wonderful story. It's a real story. It's a world-changing story. And yet, we are perhaps so familiar with it that it loses its power. So how do I restore the wonder to Christmas and take hold of it by all that it means? I look not only to his birth, but I look to him who is to come. I live in this in-between. Isaiah writes, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him. I encourage you. You want to take hold of this? Start waiting for Jesus. Come to him by faith. And say, Jesus, I don't know what this means, but, but now I am yours. I, I, I will begin following you as best I can, as best I can figure, as best I can learn with your church through your word. I trust that you, will, that you know me, that you care for me, that you can guide me, and that you can make this life of mine make sense. And you wait with a sense of wonder. Get this, wait with a sense of wonder that the little baby just born who with his whole hand gripped his mom's finger, this little baby with that tiny hand is the same one that raised mountains to their highest peaks. The hand that goes along the surface of the sea telling waves how high they can go and where they cannot reach. The baby that cried that entered a world where his mom and his earthly dad were literally on the run from a Roman emperor who wanted him dead. His tears were saturated and his dirt-caked face as he marched towards the cross. He will wipe away our tears. Seven years after his unheralded performance, Joshua Bell returned to the D.C. Metro. This time he brought along members of the National Young Arts Foundation and a little more fanfare. The media was there and it was all over social media as well. People knew, do not miss it this time. Respectfully, the only thing worse than missing Christ who came the first time would be to miss Him the second time. Your heart and your hope depends on it. Dear one, I encourage you, Jesus' birth is the anchor of our future hope. Resolve this Christmas that you will take hold of Him by faith. And I encourage you, if you have any questions on what that means, feel free to grab me, email me. My email's on the bulletin. Take hold of Christ. Look to the baby who was born for your future hope.